welcome to Injury Prevention Podcasts. My name is Rod McClure. I'm editor of the BMJ journal Injury Prevention, and each month I chat with a distinguished researcher or practitioner, and together we explore the narrative of their injury prevention careers. This morning we'll be chatting with Associate Professor Dr. Lyndall Vijaya. Lyndall works both at the Department of Forensic Medicine and the School of Nursing and Midwifery at Monash University, Victoria, Australia. Hello, Dr. Vijaya. Hi, Rod. So where should we start? You've got such a diverse background and career with a future still ahead of you. Where in all of this do you think that your passion lies? Um, I was actually really hoping you wouldn't wouldn't ask me that. I, I think like a few people, I'm deeply passionate about uh, injury prevention generally. Um, I, I guess most of my work's really been around fatal outcomes. So I, I am particularly interested in um, preventing deaths uh, from injury and violence. Um, but but more recently, I've had I've had the opportunity to work more in non-fatal outcomes, and and I find that interesting as well. Um, and and there's clearly opportunities there to to do some good work in prevention. But I suppose my work at the moment is quite focused on interpersonal violence. So I'm doing a a, a large study looking at um, the application of predictive models to family homicide and still doing a lot of work in the area of suicide prevention. So I suppose at the moment my focus is very much on, on interpersonal violence and I'm obviously very passionate about that, but still occasionally like doing some work on, on drowning and motor vehicle crashes and um, other things like that. So, Lyndall, you've started your answer very much in terms of solutions to problems and then you've mentioned a few of the content areas in which you've identified um, challenges or problems across the breadth of injury prevention. Is your focus uh, as a practitioner or would you call yourself a theoretical researcher or uh, what's your what's your technical expertise? Um, oh, again, that's a really hard question. I, I, re- I really do like data. I've, I've always been really interested in, in finding out um, the detail of people's experiences with, with injury. And I suppose I... I've probably had a huge opportunity to have exposure to that information through working with coronial data. So I started my career at the National Coronial Information System, which in those days was only just getting up and and going. But uh, what it made me realise very quickly was that coroners uh, do very in-depth investigations on injury deaths and there's a lot that can be learned um, by looking at that information about what's generated largely for a legal outcome but from a public health and um, prevention perspective there's an incredible amount of things that you can learn by looking at single cases and similar cases over time and that was really the purpose of the NCIS being established in in Australia in the first place was how can we identify previous similar deaths and apply those um, learnings to prevent future deaths so data is one thing I'm really interested in um, well, can I interrupt you there? Because I'm sure yeah. with your passion, you're going to go into about 10 things you're really interested in. Just yes. to explore that first one a little bit more so that we can uh, understand it. There are a couple of really uh, interesting features, it seems to me. You st- talked about case-based investigation aggregated yeah. together to be a epidemiological data set where you could look at groups of cases uh, where you could then 
go from a, a coroner's system to a public health system. Now, yeah, that's right. yeah. from as far as I understand, you did a PhD pretty much in this topic, trying to tease that uh, set of relationships out, as you were one of the uh, people who are amongst the, the founders of this information system. Uh, could you explore, tell me a little bit about your PhD and, and why you chose that as the topic for your further academic pursuit? Uh, so, so at that time I was working uh, for uh, Coroner Graham Johnson, who was the state coroner of Victoria for a very long time, and I was working there as his research um, officer. And he he was probably one of the most advanced thinkers about injury prevention at that time. He was really the only coroner that I've come across in Australia that would actually go to injury conferences and engage with the injury prevention community, which is fairly unusual for a coroner to do that because they, they have to be very careful about their judicial independence. But he was very encouraging of um, of research and, and wanting to understand systems. He, he was really one of the key people who got the NCIS up and going in the first place. So he just happened to live down the road from Professor Jonah Zan-Smith, who was the chair of injury prevention at the Accident Research Centre. So he he got together with her and, you know, I'd gotten to a point where I really needed to try and advance my research skills. My, my job was coming to an end and I was really had fallen in love with research and injury prevention by that time. And so they got together. It was actually Joan that suggested um, using the coronial data that was generated um, through that system to have a look at how coroners actually make recommendations. So uh, in Victoria and in other Australian jurisdictions, uh, coroners can make recommendations on public health and safety. Mm-hmm. They didn't really have that reflected in their their mandate until some time later. But at that time, they had a lot of discretion around making recommendations. So my PhD centred on looking at, well, what are the determinants of why coroners make recommendations and how often do coroners make recommendations? In what cases do they do they make recommendations more so than others? And what do coroners think about making recommendations? How do they see their prevention role? So there's a real sense of scientific inquiry in the way you've done your public health implementation practice, isn't there? Yeah, and, and what it gave me an opportunity. I mean, doing my PhD at the Accident Research Centre, they were very much and, and still remain a very action research orientated uh, organisation. And so when I see things now like implementation science and co-design, you know, that's the sort of stuff New Art's been doing for decades. I and mean, it really was one of the one of the key features of their establishment in the first place. So it was it was really opportune for me to do my PhD there because I was there with people that were very like-minded and were also doing the similar sorts of things that, that coroners were trying to do at that time with prevention. So trying to find out from organisations that had a mandate for safety and a mandate for public health um, what, what they thought the solutions were um, and trying to work with them to implement things that would tangibly change um, fatal outcomes. May I jump ahead a bit because I know you've worked on a suicide register. So and I'm jumping to that because it's another information system, isn't it, that sort of comes from a similar context but, but is different. Can you explain to me a little bit about your work in that register? Yeah, so at that time we'd, it was post-PhD, post uh, post very significant reforms in the coroner's system in Victoria, uh, which introduced a mandate for coroners to um, consider prevention for recommendations to be responded to. So there was this increased focus on 
making sure recommendations and making sure coroner's findings more generally were more evidence-based. So what we found um, during that time, the coroner's prevention unit had just been established to support this new prevention function for coroners. And we had a, a team, a multidisciplinary team of about 20 people. And I was working in the intentional investigation unit. Um, so I was leading that team. And we would get a lot of requests from coroners about suicide. And what we found was, you know, digging through the existing um, case management systems that we had, we were, we were being asked similar sorts of questions about multiple cases. So we were having to review the same cases multiple times for different coroners asking slightly different questions. And so one of my colleagues, Jeremy, was like, we need, we need a register. We need, we need a, a better way of doing this. I said, well, you know, there's in injury prevention, we, there are surveillance systems. So, you know, we could, we could build a system pretty much dedicated to suicide. And he said, actually, I've got an IT background. Um, why don't I just build it in Microsoft Access? And so um, after about sort of five iterations of that, and we um, we had a colleague, or she was actually one of your colleagues, had come down from ASRAP, um, Alison Milner, and she had been involved in the suicide register up in Queensland. So she got together with, with Jeremy and I and a couple of others and um, helped us develop the suicide register. And, and after a, a couple of years, um, we ended up with a system that had about 163 data points. Um, it has every suicide that's been notified to coroners since 2000. Um, and it also has an enhanced data set from about 2009 um, onwards um, that has very detailed information about every suicide that's occurred. And um, it's been really helpful for government. They've, um, with increased focus on suicide prevention in the Department of Health, have now funded um, some extra resource for the VSR. Um, and it's really taken off and been a really valuable tool, um, not just for the coroners, but but also for um, Department of Health and, and other researchers. There's been a few studies that have used the, starting to use the VSR as a research tool. So it's been, yeah, it was, it's been a really fantastic project. I think those last two examples you've just given us uh, really unpack some of the ideas that you opened with around translation research and implementation science and uh, applied solutions to injury prevention problem uh, being something that's part of your DNA, really. That's where you started. You started at the end and you've moved back into science. But in moving back into science, you, your science is now very much part of your day-to-day -day activity, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I think I think where I sort of feel that an area that I would like to be more involved in is is actual implementation. So being involved in interventions, I, I sort of feel like I'm good at identifying what the problems are and describing what the problems are. But now I'm sort of itching to get more involved in in interventions and see how some of that uh, data that we've been worked so hard over the last twenty years to put together. What what can it tell us, and, and what interventions should we be developing so I'm, I'm pretty keen to move into that area at some point in the future and and be involved in that there's there's nothing more satisfying than seeing something that you've contributed to as an intervention actually work um, and start to reduce um, some of the injury burden which you know we've had we've been lucky to have that experience in the mortality area once or twice but doesn't come along very often so you still see a, a future in injury prevention for you got a few years ahead left yeah, just a few. Um, yeah, I do. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I can't imagine doing anything else um, other than, than injury prevention. It's a field, it's a small field in Australia. Um, but, you know, where 
I think we're doing some really important work and I think there's some areas in Australia that we're really strong in. Um, we're actually hosting the um, World Conference uh, in Adelaide. So that'll give us an opportunity to, to bring the world leaders together and hopefully um, strengthen some of the things we're doing. And there's a, a national plan that's been put together. So I'm hoping that injury will keep building in Australia and I'm, I'm really excited about remaining part of it. Um, I guess one thing that would be nice to do is to see violence a little bit more recognised in injury, but I think that will happen over time. It's just a very fragmented field, as we all know. Well, maybe some of us don't realise how fragmented it is because we're sitting inside our particular fragment. So let's expand that just for a couple of minutes. Okay. You, you've, you've mentioned that you don't think injury prevention has is imbued with uh, as much of a focus on violence as it could be. Um, yeah. is, is violence research done in a, in a different sector? Um, you also mentioned you've covered uh, individual topic areas, content area topic areas like falls, drownings, road safety, um, but you, you've clearly got a, an overarching sort of social uh, responsibility interest in the area of violence. How do you see injury as a field uh, in terms of in its theoretical sense, but also as how we've managed to operationalise it in our social structures that we currently have. Yeah, look, I think it's been a, I mean, you know, I'm not the first person to, to think this and talk about this, but it is a real frustration that we we can't have this overarching, um, you know, view of, of injury and what we can learn from each other because there were certainly cases when I was working at, um, the, the coroner's court and, and doing a lot of that work in violence um, and suicide prevention, that there were certainly things that I would see in those investigations that actually had some application to other areas. So by having that overarching view of all cause mortality, I was able to take ideas or thoughts from one topic area um, to another and really just, you know, even things like, you know, separating people from hazards and, you know, just you know, basic Haddon's matrix kind of stuff at being, I guess, being able to look at the whole injury problem, I found personally very beneficial. So it is really frustrating, um, you know, talking to the drowning people and then going over and talking to the suicide people. And it's just a shame that there isn't a way that, you know, as a, as a, a field of injury researchers, practitioners and policymakers, that we, we can't find a way to have a, have see ourselves as a sector I suppose there and you know road safety has always been an area that has been incredibly well resourced in terms of um, safety and public um, you know public advocacy campaigns for prevention and we're starting to see that a little bit in suicide prevention which has been great to see and family violence most definitely we're seeing public awareness campaigns about well what is violence and you know because I think there's still a lot of um, myths around that you know violence is only physical that we're that people's verbal and psychological abuse isn't violence i think there's a lot of people in the community that that don't see violence as as psychological or verbal um so yeah it is it it's 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 a frustration of the field i think um and it's not like money's poured in or funding's poured in to injury as an issue it's it's very much filtered down to its component parts um, which is a shame. I just wonder whether we could do better if we were. And if you were to have your um, your best dreams realised, uh, have you any suggestions about how we might go and do better 
what let's say at the conference we say we're going to try and address this challenge of fragmentation mm. you what know, are the four few, recommendations we might come up with a few people have talked about this idea of an injury prevention council and i know that's not a new idea i think that might have even been something that you you were involved in back in the 90s um i know they had one in western australia and i, I just wonder whether having an in some kind of injury prevention council that brought together all the relevant people in each each jurisdiction and then there was some kind of national leadership um i mean obviously you need data to be supporting that one thing that i really liked that um some people in europe have been doing for many years is this idea of the injury report card and so they um i think it was i think it's focused on children and they would do a report card on what jurisdictions had what interventions and how those interventions were were helping and be, and it was across the European Union. So they were able to have a quick snapshot of you know what interventions are working um, or what interventions are actually in place in particular in different places across injury topics. Um, and it was a really nice way of bringing injury together uh, as a as an as a field and also showing where the interventions are in place because I think we do have a lot of the solutions for injury prevention and a lot of it is perhaps about better implementation or modified implementation for um, vulnerable populations or populations that are, are different. So if there was a mechanism for us to um, talk to each other or have some leadership at, at a state and then national level a bit more regularly, then you know perhaps we could overcome that fra fragmentation a little bit. Some really um, practical and doable ideas in that last uh, set of points you've raised there. Thank you very much, uh, Lyndall, for a, a most insightful discussion. We covered a range of things and it uh, is compelling the extent to which your enthusiasm and interest of the field shines through and, and quite clearly has directed some of your choices in your career over the past uh, few years. Thanks, Rod. We've been chatting with Professor Lyndall Bujaya from Monash University, Australia. Remember, you can subscribe to the Injury Prevention Podcast in your favourite platform or app and have it automatically downloaded to your device each month. For those of you interested in the area of injury prevention and would like to read further, I recommend our journal's website, injuryprevention.bmj.com.